Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, and welcome to the First Baptist Church, wherever you are. We're so thankful, grateful that you're watching and listening, wherever you may be, various podcasts and all 97.3 FM. We're taking a detour from First Timothy, because today, here in the States, it's Father's Day. I'm going to read from the Old Testament, Second Samuel, chapter 13. I'm going to read 21 verses. I encourage you to read the rest. Well, read the whole, read the whole book to get the right context of what happens to a lot of David's family members. All right, let's read from verse 1. Chapter 13, Second Samuel. In the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom's son of David. Amnon became frustrated to the point of illness on account of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. Now Amnon had a friend named Jonadab, son of Shemia, David's brother. Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He asked Amnon, Why do you, the king's son, look so haggard morning after morning? Won't you tell me? Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar my brother Absalom's sister. Well, go to bed and pretend to be ill, Jonadab said. When your father comes to see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. So David sent word to Tamar at the palace, go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Amnon, who was lying down. She took some dough, kneaded it, and made the bread in his sight and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread, and, but he refused to eat. Send everyone out of here, Amnon said. So everyone left him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the bread and she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and says, Come to bed with me, my sister. Don't, my brother, she said to him. Don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. 
Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He would not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Amnon said to her, get up and get out. No, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you've already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of here and bolt the door after her. So his servant put her out, bolted the door after her. She was wearing a richly ornamented robe, for this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the garment ornament, robe, she was wearing. She put her hand on her head and went away, weeping aloud as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, Has that Amnon, your brother, been with you? Be quiet now, my sister. He is your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman. And when King David heard all this, he was furious. And Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. Heavenly Father, we are thankful to be here, thankful to watch, thankful to listen to your word. And it's true, these things actually took place. And help us today focus and get tuned in learn something new and apply these things and learn lessons from what happened to Tamar. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of this message is The Absentee Dad. The Absentee Dad. Well, last month we had Mother's Day where most preachers cheer on and extol the virtues of womanhood, and rightly so, because they deserve the praise, amen? But when Father's Day comes around, like it is today, a lot of preachers take the opportunity to bash the men for not measuring up to be the ideal husband and father. That's not my intention today, to roast the dads. You ever had roast dad? Doesn't taste very good. I don't want to roast the dads or the husbands like some preachers are apt to do, putting this all on a guilt trip because we don't measure up to the ideal husband or father. Amen? None of us are. But I just want to take a look at a period in the life of King David and some of his children that presents a sad example 
of the consequences of being an absentee dad, an absentee father. We just read 2 Samuel chapter 13, that one of David's sons, Absalom, had a beautiful sister, Tamar, and a brother named Amnon. Unfortunately, Amnon was a sick puppy. He had a strong sexual obsession with his own virgin sister, Tamar. He plotted to have her by hook or by crook and persuaded his father David to order his sister to bring him some food while pretending to be sick. This wicked scheme was to have sex with her. But when she refused, he forced her against her will. He forced himself on her. Then afterwards, his loss satisfied, his desire turned to pure hatred. He despised her for what he had done and then discarded her like a filthy rag and threw her out, had the door bolted so she couldn't get back in. You know, when a lot of us males were growing up, uh, we were constantly being fed the image of the macho male in the movies, who were tough and aggressive even towards women. That was acceptable in that culture back then. For example, you got the movie like some of you have seen The Quiet Man with John Wayne and, and others, you know, when he grabs uh, Maureen O'Hara and gives her a, put his, puts, him, puts her over his knee and gives her a spanking, you know. That's what a real man does, right? Better not try that with your wives today. <laughs> We're the ones who will get a spanking. <laughs> and deservedly so. You know, many of our fathers have passed on to us a heritage of distorted masculinity. Where the man of the house is the king of the castle and everyone is to cater for his needs and his authority is never in question. Do you have a father like that? And his authority will be tied if you questioned his authority. Amen? But despite this caveman attitude of men like Amnon towards women, thankfully, there are other men like Absalom who can be sensitive to the needs of a woman without being less of a man. Absalom exhibited real concern and sensitivity towards his beloved sister, Tamar, after she was violated. When he saw her distressed and crying, he asked her if she'd been sexually abused by her brother. She confessed that she was. And when she told him what happened, he advised her to keep quiet, keep the incident quiet, not to protect him, Amnon, 
but to protect her and her reputation. Okay? But he didn't forget what happened. And he was going to get Amnon sooner or later for what he did to his loved sister. Hoping in the meantime that justice would be served on his brother for what he did to his sister. So Absalom went to his father, King David, in the hopes that he would resolve the situation. After all, he was the king, he was the father, and punish his son, Amnon, for violating his own daughter, Tamar. So when Absalom told his father of the incestuous incident between his daughter Tamar and his son Amnon, David's first reaction to the news was one of anger. He was furious. But then he did absolutely nothing about it. To make Amnon pay for his wicked deed. And by doing nothing, it's obvious that he didn't really care about what happened to Tamar. It was really no big deal. Because, after all, boys will be boys, you know. That's what they do, just a little tearaway, sowing his wild oats. Distorted view of male masculinity. So this true story of these sad events reveals that David was an emotionally distant father. He was there physically, but he was distant emotionally. Who, by his indifference and inaction because he did nothing, he just turned a blind eye to the abuse of his own daughter. He had a distorted attitude of what true masculinity towards women ought to be in the ideal world. You know, if he cared enough for his daughter, if he really valued her as a human being, and not have been emotionally distant as a father, things would probably have turned out better. They could have turned out differently. But let's give him a pass. Being the king of Israel, he had tremendous amount of responsibilities. He was a very, very busy man and consumed with that position as king. But at the expense of his relationship with his own family. You know, after this incident happened, he distanced himself from his own son, Absalom. I encourage you to read Second Samuel, the whole book. He distanced himself from Absalom. He even refused to see him at all. His own son. 
didn't want anything to do with him. So David had little, if any, kind of close relationship with his children, except through his position as the king. And like many macho males, David was consumed with his occupation. He didn't make time to build a close relationship with his children to the detriment of them, him, and the nation of Israel, as it turned out. It probably didn't occur to him how his physical and emotional distance from his children would wreak havoc later on, which it did. Many men have painful memories growing up with their absent and emotionally distant fathers. Statistics show we are approaching the point when almost half of all American children will be raised in fatherless homes for some part of their lives. And we're not judging anybody. We're just stating the facts. Half of all American children will be raised in fatherless homes for some part of their lives. Even so, do you know that a father or husband doesn't have to be absent from the home to be emotionally and relationally absent? Listen. Fathers can be emotionally absent while still living physically in the same house. For years, fathers can be emotionally absent while still living physically in the same house for years. Anyone can relate to that? How many of you men can remember your father hugging you and telling you how much he loves you? Can you remember that? Did you have a father that did that? Not just you men, but you ladies. Did you have a father that did that? If you can, then you were blessed to have a good relationship with your father. Thankfully, many men today who become husbands or fathers are beginning to learn to be emotionally connected to their wives and spend real quality time with their children. We can learn from the mistakes of our fathers, can't we? Learning from the mistakes of our fathers. Many men are learning to be nurturing, supportive and loving towards their wives and children and their friends. And we've all heard the saying, like father, like son. We said the nut doesn't fall too far from the tree. <laughs> That's my saying. I like that one better. 
Same is true from David's family. <clears throat> because of his distorted masculinity mindset, it affected his whole family detrimentally. Because of David's physical and emotional distancing from his son Absalom, the once sensitive protector of his sister Tamar, Absalom lost complete respect for his father. Totally. You know what? You read the story, read 2 Samuel. Absalom ended up having sex with 10 of David's concubines. 10 of them on the roof in public. Why did he do that? To humiliate and defy his own father. To defy his father's authority as the king. Read that, 2 Samuel chapter 16. Oh, by the way, Absalom never forgot what happened to his sister. And he waited two years. And when the time was right, he got some hitmen to take out. This is before the mafia. To take out Amnon, his brother. He was killed. He waited two years, but he didn't forget. He got retribution. And I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. But there's also, the Bible says, you reap what you sow. Amen. Now, because of his resentment, Absalom's resentment towards David, his own father, he even went to war with him, went to war against him, wanted to usurp his authority and become king himself. The battle ensued. They lost the battle. And Absalom, he jumped on a mule, not a horse. Well, it's half a horse. You know what a mule is. It's half horse, half donkey. He jumped on this mule, get away from the battle, didn't want to be killed, tried to escape. And Absalom was like one of the first hippies. He had very long hair. And those of us that ride motorcycles, hopefully with a helmet on in Massachusetts, it's against the law if you don't. Some of these clowns go around without wearing helmets. Tempting fate. Like in New Hampshire, they don't need to wear them. The air is flowing in the wind. Well, Absalom did the same. He was escaping on this mule from the battle. And he was dipping under this, this oak tree, and there was low-lying low lying, uh, branches of this oak tree. And his hair got caught in the branches, all tangled up. And he was hanging there, and the mule, stupid mule took off, being stubborn, left Absalom hanging there by his hair. And then along came David's right-hand man and warrior, Joab. And he saw Absalom hanging from his hair from the tree, and he thrust, and this is against David's will, because David didn't want him killed, Absalom. 
He didn't want him killed. He still loved Absalom. And Joab went against David's wishes because he knew that Absalom was a problem and he'd continue to be a problem unless he took his life. So what he did, he thrust three spears into his chest. But he didn't kill him. So then he persuaded 10 of his soldiers to finish him off, which they did, killing him without the consent of their father, the, the master, King David. David didn't want Absalom killed. They, they went against his wishes. And when David got the news of Absalom's death, he wept loudly and everyone in the, in the area could hear him weeping bitterly in his lonely palace, repeating over and over, oh my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. You know, David really did love Absalom, but he didn't know how to express that when he was alive. And there's many examples in the Bible for us to learn from other people's mistakes. Thankfully, and here's the good news, the sins of the fathers don't have to be passed on to Christian men. The curse has been broken. The curse has been broken by the Lord. Because when we receive Jesus as our Savior, then we have a new father who's adopted us into his family. It's then we have Jesus, the perfect example of a loving role model to follow and to emulate, to imitate the perfect role model. He is the masculine male, personified. Very strong. Remember, he was a carpenter. Look what he suffered on that cross. They would have killed most men before he even was nailed on that cross. The ordeal that he went through. He was a very, very tough man. Very strong. Very robust. And yet he cried. He wasn't afraid to cry. In public. That's a real man. He was determined, but at the same time, loving, kind, compassionate, empathetic, sympathetic, nurturing, and honorable. That's the real man. His male masculinity was not displayed in aggression towards anybody. And he treated women and children with dignity and respect. And of course, so should we. He wasn't afraid to share his deepest hopes and fears and dreams and his feelings with his friends. I just imagine if a, 
my dad came up to me and said, son, I want to share my feelings with you. I said, what? That's not the dad I know. You've got to be kidding me. He would never do that. <laughs> with Jesus as our perfect example of true manhood, and with God as our Father, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, there is hope for us to demonstrate what it really means to be a real man. Amen? Amen. Happy Father's Day. Let's close in a word of prayer. Oh, Father, it's a very sad tale that we've learned about this morning. Distorted view of male masculinity that had serious and deadly consequences and may we see these true events and learn from the mistakes of others and we all fall short of the perfect ideal husband and father and man but we know that you are the perfect true masculine male that demonstrated what it means to be a man help us Husbands, fathers, single men, to look to you, the perfect role model. I'd like to address those of you that are not saved. You've never come to know Jesus as your personal savior. You've never been adopted into his family. You can be. You can know what true love is like when you receive Jesus as your personal savior. God loved you so much that he sent his only son to die for you on the cross to have your sins forgiven. If you call upon his name to save you, to forgive you of your sins and truly believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I hope and pray that you do. Amen. And thank you very much, and God bless you all. And if you are watching and you like the message, give us a thumbs up, a like, so we can get this message out to more people. Thank you again, and God bless you. I hope to see you soon. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m., we are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.